Welcome back, everybody. Another edition here of the Auburn Under Cover Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Network. My name is Nathan King. Today started the early signing period across the country, and Auburn football had a really big day. So, of course, we're going to bring in our recruiting expert, Keith Niebuhr, who's been extremely busy um, today. It's, uh, it's kind of like a holiday for Keith, but it's also kind of like a, a curse at the same time. But he killed it all day long at Auburn Undercover. Dot com. If you guys followed along, you obviously know that. But let's talk about Auburn football and what they did on the recruiting trail today. And really, Keith, this week they gained, yeah. uh, correct me if I'm wrong, seven commitments this week. Um, they signed 16 guys today. And as you sort of prophesized earlier in the week, you said, you know, this I think this has a chance to be a top 15 class on Wednesday. Currently, right now, they've jumped all the way up to number 14. They were number 12 earlier in the day. Um, but obviously, you know, other programs have to shake out. Um, but they jumped to a top 15 class today. Just your impressions of what the staff was able to do um, and yeah. kind of the overall takeaways from signing day. Yeah, a couple of thoughts. And feel free to interject, <clears throat> interrupt me at any time. I got this nagging cough that seems to never go away. But actually, they, they actually signed 17, Nathan. You said 16. And just to correct you, not to be that guy. But they actually signed 17. And so they've got 18 in the boat, if you include uh, a, a commit that didn't sign uh, Caden Story, the four-star defensive lineman, who apparently, as of right now, they still feel like he'll sign in February. So anyway, uh, my general thoughts was that the question I've already lost. I've already lost my train of thought here. General yeah, thoughts. For, yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, you know, you, when you look back to the summer, we were doing these podcasts, and they, they were like outside the top eighty. And I'm having to sit on the, <laughs> I'm having to sit on the message board and I tell people to be patient and and all that crap. And and you know, when you tell people to be patient. You kind of come, you, you kind of feel like you're being preachy and stuff like that. And I can be, and I don't mean to be, but I know that I am. But the reality was I was freaking out too, because not because I'm some fan or nothing, but because I'm like, man, are they, you know, you get wrapped up in your coverage. I'm like, man, they're outside the top 80. Is, is What are they going to do? Now, a few of Gus's classes, Gus Malzahn's classes started slow, but never that slow. And like, seriously, you're, you're thinking, okay, is this even going to be a top 25 class? And, you know, you didn't know. And then they started getting some commitments over the summer. I, you know, uh, Damari Alston was a big one. Caden Story was a big one. I mean, you know, they started getting some commitments and it started picking up. But really in the last few weeks, I would get text messages from sources that would say, hey, the, the hard work is really about to come to fruition. You're going to start seeing some of the results. And, uh, you know, we started getting talk uh, chatter about Robert Woodyard flipping to Auburn back during the summer. But uh, apparently he always wanted to wait until signing day. That was always sort of the plan. Now, I will tell everybody listening, you know, a few weeks ago, three weeks ago, Jason and I, sort of, well, I take this back. Let me give Jason all the credit. Jason got tipped off that, that Robert Woodyard was going to commit about three weeks ago, was going to flip to Auburn. And uh, so we had stories ready to roll and, and all that. And, and he decided that night, no, 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 I'm going to go ahead and wait till the end. But he was close. So we knew then that it was probably pretty much close to being done at that point. Um, but yeah, everything sort of came together. I mean, right now they got the number 14 class. They got this high as number 12, but you know, sometimes we all forget, you know, other teams are picking up guys too. So it's the number 14 class, still only seventh in the SEC. But you know, at the beginning of the day, they were 21st and 10th, I think 21st overall, 10th in the SEC. And not that long ago, got a week ago. Or when the week began, excuse me, they were 13th in the SEC. So it's been a great week. Uh, but, you know, if you say, Keith, what class grade would you or what grade would you give the class? To me, it's still like a B minus. That may seem harsh, but, you know, major needs. Uh, offensive line, number one. They've only got one guy in the boat. I'm using the term in the boat all the time. They've got one guy committed, signed. 
whatever. That's Eston Harris from Auburn High. One guy. They got to bring in many, many more than that. Um, and then, you know, defensive line, they've got a, a couple of guys, you know, Enos Sledge and Caden Story, but Story didn't sign today and you need more. You missed on a couple of guys. So to me, B minus probably right now, but that's not bad because again, they've got time to fill some needs. There's still a lot of good players out there. Uh, there's still, uh, you know, some other stuff going on. So uh, I'm getting a call right now. So I'm trying to, trying to balance the two here. Uh, but yeah, so they could still go higher in the rankings, but they got a close, strong, and really, again, O-line. We got to see Auburn pick up some O-linemen. Yeah, and that I know that's probably going to be, you know, you've been tracking the transfers that they've been going after on the offensive line. Um, you know, last year, they by the end of the cycle, they had become pretty comfortable with the tackles that they had. Um, they were kind of just rolling with those guys, but this year, yeah. honestly, I mean, they could lose up to, they could lose up to six guys if all the seniors from the offensive line decide to move on. Yeah, and, um, and it wasn't – and, Nathan, it wasn't a great off- – I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to criticize them right. too much, but it wasn't a great offensive line. It wasn't one of Auburn's better offensive lines, right? You know what I mean? Uh, and so, um, you know, that's just the way it is. I mean, it's they, they got a long they – got, they got a lot to do on the offensive line. Sorry, I'm, I have these great thoughts, and then I get flooded with text messages, and I'm so bad at juggling the two. You oh, know? you're fine. Uh, so, well, um, yeah. But again, I think they're it, it, they're positioned to have a B plus type of class, you know. And and again, from where they were, and and Nathan, they had a lot of of things really stacked against them. It was a COVID year, so you couldn't have any recruits on campus. Till, I think May last year, they a new staff with guys from all over the country didn't get any face to face time with any kids until May, so they were already way behind everybody. Uh, so it it is pretty pretty darn respectable what they've done. Um, and you, you do have some potential difference makers in the class. Now, the, again, the question is how strongly, how strong do you, um, finish moving forward and how well do you do in the portal? Um, and, uh, you know, move on to next year, but again, all things considered, it's still only the seventh best class in the sec, but it's not far away from being like the fourth best class in the sec. So it's pretty good. There's still some separation between Alabama, Georgia, A&M, Texas A&M with everybody else. But, um, uh, you know, Auburn didn't have a loaded roster this year and could have beat Bama, should have beat Bama, excuse me, and, and was right there with AM. So, you know, you just want to stay at least close to these other guys. You don't want them running away with things. You know what I mean? And so how do you do that? If you're if if they're getting better guys across the board, how do you how do you hang tight with them? How do you stay there? Difference makers. And, and Philip Marshall writes about that all the time. What does he really mean? Well, quarterback, a quarterback that's really good. I mean, all these schools are taking highly ranked quarterbacks, but who did the best job evaluating? And if Holden Gurner, who I think is just a complete stud, ends up being that guy, then that could elevate you. You know what I mean? So, uh, again, overall, though, I think, uh, I mean, Auburn fans seem happy, um, which is good. And I think it's deserved, but I wouldn't get too happy just yet until we figure out what the offensive line situation is going to be and who they're going to bring in. Again, there's still some pretty good players available out there. Um, Jalen Farmer, the Florida commits available and Tavius Woody, the Florida state commit. He didn't sign today either. Uh, so there's plenty of guys out there. Julian Armella, though, I think he's going to probably end up at Miami. Um, but th- there's going to be guys out there. They're going to go through the list. They're going to go look at everybody that didn't sign. Um, everybody that enters the portal. I mean, so they're going to be on top of this, I'm sure, but uh, they still got to go out and do it. They still got to got to go out and get some guys in there. Cause you know, last year they knew they needed offensive linemen and they didn't have any real success in the portal when it came to offensive linemen. So uh, they absolutely have to now though. It's a, it's a, it's the number one priority. Well, that and bringing in a quarterback to replace Bo Nix. I mean, they, it's all <laughs> the work never ends, man. It's a constant evolution of your program one way or the other. 
yeah, Brian Harson said today that that's still he said offensive defensive line. That's where it starts. Um, yeah, you could tell he wasn't super pleased. And, and you know, obviously, just the way things kind of worked out along the offensive line, he would rather have more players and, and highly rated players, of course. Yeah, but it does sound like it's going to, like you said, a priority going into February signing day. Speaking of of over the next few months, what we're going to be watching out for um, transfer portal, obviously super prevalent. But on the other the flip side of transfers, JUCO transfers, um, Auburn really cleaned up in that regard. They have an opportunity to continue to do so, um, but they get two commitments this week. Marquise Gilbert, the number one safety from the JUCO level in the country, and then Keontae Scott, the number one cornerback in the country from the JUCO level. And they have an opportunity on Sunday with Jeffrey Imba um, committing the defensive tackle from France. He's like 6'6", six, six, yeah. 315, something like that, to get the number one, and he's the number one overall JUCO player, get the number one defensive tackle. So just kind of what can you say about this coach's <laughs> emphasis, this coaching staff's yeah. emphasis on the JUCO level? Well, look, there's been a lot of attrition since they got there, and that's always the case. Well, first of all, there's attrition with every program now, but especially when you get a new staff, you're going to lose some guys. So they got, you know, they've got thin at some certain areas. But then you take a look at the defense and who are two of the more important guys they're going to be losing? Smoke Monday at safety. And of course, Roger McCreary, who, God, what a career, man. What a career out of nowhere. Yeah. From, from a little known recruit to, you know, all first team AP all American, but anyway, so they're losing those guys. So it's great that you're, you're bringing in a good quality high school players at those positions, but are they ready to contribute in year one? Generally they're not. So what you do is in situations like that, you can either attack it through the portal or go get a Juco player that you think is a real high level guy. And again, Keontae Scott's the number one junior college corner in the country. He ought to be able to come in. He's a little older, a little bit more mature mentally, physically, all that stuff. Uh, he ought to be able to come in and contribute and compete for a starting job from, from the jump, quite frankly, from day one. That's what you need. If you're counting on too many high school guys, you're probably going to take your beatings out there on Saturday, okay? Unless they're just truly, truly elite guys. And Auburn has a good class, but I don't know. I, I can't say there's, you know, there's, there's no five-star guys out there. I mean, you know what I mean? So it's, I'm, I'm not saying these guys can't become all SEC players, but it may take some time. Okay. So you, you bring guys in that can contribute right away. Marquise Gilbert, obviously the number one junior college safety in the country. So you get him. So both those guys probably going to come in and at least be in the rotation next year. And they both have three years of eligibility left. So that's a good, that's a positive too. Now, Jeffrey Emba's an interesting situation. He's from France. He's only played football for like three years but he's already the number one overall junior college player in the country. So they could get the number one safety, the number one corner, and the number one overall recruit, who that would obviously make him the number one defensive lineman as well. Now, the, the Emba is, by the way, is down to Missouri and Auburn. He's already signed with one of them. He's just keeping it quiet until he can announce back in his native France on Sunday. Uh, but I, I've heard that he might have to have shoulder surgery, so that's a little bit of a concern. I don't know whether – you know, I don't know whether he'd be able to take part in spring practice or any of that stuff. Now, he's he's going to have three years of eligibility, too, uh, should he pick Auburn. And we, we think that's where he's going to go. So that's something to watch. And also, Nathan, for the first time, I'm just going to tell readers, I, and I'm, I'm not going to write anything, but I, I've heard that he, and I, I need to get some more details here. We get so swamped sometimes, you know, it's hard to get information on certain elements. But I think, and I, I this is why I'm not going to write it, because I don't want to put something out there in writing that, may not be entirely true, but I think he might've played a little bit of club football in France. Now, if that's true, uh, he may not be able to, there may be like a little bit of an eligibility thing. We have to sit out a game or two or something like that, but let, I'll, I'll have Jason, Nathan, everybody can dig in and try to find more on that. And now that I've said it, I'm starting to think maybe I shouldn't have said anything. but anyway, it's something to keep it on. It may not even be true. Somebody mentioned to that, met that to me in passing uh, as a possibility. So, uh, but really three good guys. And again, defensive line, you can never have enough guys. 
Auburn wasn't able to have quite the rotation this year that it's had in past. Now, I don't know whether that's what Nick Eason and Derek Mason like to play fewer guys, or did they just feel like the other guys behind the main guys weren't ready, uh, which is scary too. So I don't know what the situation is, but Embos should be able to provide some immediate depth. And, uh, you know, he's got all the skills. He grew up playing other sports. So he's got the footwork, quick, quickness, athleticism, uh, hip flexibility, you know, all that stuff that they talk about, change of direction. Uh, but he's still very raw. And that's why I think hopefully the shoulder thing uh, is either not accurate or minor because because he's raw, you you want him to get as many practice reps as possible under the guidance of a guy like Nick Eason. He hadn't had that kind of coaching yet. You know what I mean? Uh, but yeah, they crushed it in the junior colleges. These guys can come in and help right away. Uh, we think, I mean, you never know. Some guys you think are going to be great coming from the junior college, just like with high school, and they, they never make it. But the more quality recruits you sign, um, the better chances you're going to be good. Now, I know that sounds obvious, but it means that even if you miss on a certain number of guys, you, you've signed enough good guys that it kind of makes up for it. You know what I mean? I mean, Alabama doesn't hit a home run on everybody, but they signed so many five and four stars that even if they're missing on five, six, seven guys, the rest of the class is fine. So that's what you want. That's what you want. You don't want you don't want any reaches because uh, you just can't afford too many misses. Yeah, you hit it on the head of what Brian Harson said today. I pretty much mirror. Uh, so he said absolutely nothing, just like I did. You know he does. He can uh, he can filibuster with the best of them. But no, he said. Uh, no, I'm t- I'm kidding. You know you 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 focus on the high school players like that. You know that's where you build your class out of. But at the same time, these JUCO guys have the experience. They're a little bit older. They've played on a competitive level. It's a little bit above the high school level yeah. already. Yeah, so you know, Nate. Oh, sorry. No, I was just saying, you know, it seemed like the same way, especially those guys on the defense that they picked up kind of yeah. plug and play guys already. Absolutely. So you build a program through high school recruiting, right? And development. You build a team. So a program is the overall picture. A team is year to year. Program through high school players and development, a team through all that, plus plug in place. You know what I mean? You build a team through the portal and through the JUCOs. But now some of these JUCOs have, because of COVID, they didn't lose that year of eligibility. They got an extra year too. So some of these guys are coming in with three years to play. So it's almost like getting a high school guy. So yeah. you, you know, you'll have time to develop them. You know, it used to be if you brought in a JUCO guy and they didn't contribute right away, you're just like, oh God. Of what we've wasted a scholarship, but now it's like, well, you know, we'll get this time. We don't, we can, you know, it, we want them to be able to play right away, but you know, not all of them will. And in some cases, we may have to develop a guy a little bit further. And uh, but if he's got three years, that's fine. We can do it. So, this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yeah, it seems like uh, it seems like Auburn definitely you know, kind of put an emphasis on that, this class. With, and if they land those three guys, I mean, you're talking about of only a handful of positions on defense, they get the best one from the JUCO ranks. We'll, we'll, we'll close on this, Keith. Um, just kind of an mm-hmm. interesting storyline from this week. Uh, because Mike Bobo is out and because the new offensive coordinator has not been put on staff yet, um, they've got an assistant coach opening. They sort of put Trovon Reed in there, who's the director of uh, or coordinator of player relations, and everyone knows who Trovon Reed is, obviously. Um, they've kind of put him in there as a stand-in coach because you're only allowed to have 
10 assistants plus the head coach on the road. Um, seems like he made just at least from his interactions um, and kind of the buzz that was surrounding him. seemed like he had a good kind of pairing with Zach Etheridge and, and maybe Derek Mason as well. Seems like he might have made a, an impact this week on the recruiting trail for them um, and maybe kind of closing out these guys. He's a Louisiana guy. They they had their yeah. kind of feet in the water there over the past couple of weeks, making a making a closing push here. Just what did you hear about what Trovon yeah. was able to do and how he kind yeah, of contributed? I- and I feel like I probably didn't write about him enough, but I mean, guy, you can't write about everybody. You know I mean? You're just, you're, at a certain point, you're just running out of, out of, out of stories and, and room and, you know, you're focusing on th- certain things and not others, but yeah, I think he did make it a big impact. You saw him in photos of Brian Harson. I mean, he went to some big visits. I mean, he went to go see, I think Austin Osbury, the four-star cornerback they picked up. He went to see some of those big guys. I think he was, might've been with them when they went and saw Keontae Scott, the number one Juco corner of the country. But look, I mean, people that covered him say he was a great guy, loved Auburn. And you know, a lot of what Zach Etheridge has great guy loves Auburn, a passion for Auburn, young, relatable to the kids track record, you know, that kind of stuff. Now, his track record is a little bit different. He played. He played at a very high level. Uh, he hadn't coached at a high level yet. Um, same things we saw with Travis Williams, that love and passion for Auburn, young, relatable, energetic, um, understood the language the kids speak. You know what I mean? And so he brought all those things to the table, and I think that's that was a home run. And you know what? Maybe someday he'll be coaching for Auburn. I don't know, but maybe he's in the perfect role. I mean, I, everybody's like, I think i got to find him a spot. Well, you know, he's never really coached, so he might have to go somewhere to to kind of learn the ropes, or maybe maybe he's found just this perfect, unbelievable role. I don't really know him that well, so I don't know if his aspiration is to coach or not, but I do know people that know him and say he's the real deal, okay? He can communicate with just about anybody from any background, rich, poor, white, black, Hispanic. I mean, he's just got this – he's just one of those guys that knows how to communicate with people, um, and uh, especially 17-, 18-year-olds, as it turns out. Uh, and a big addition for the Auburn staff is I think Zach Etheridge was too. Um, you know, he really kind of showed his choppers or chops or whatever. What's the, I don't know what I'm, he showed his teeth. I don't know what the phrase I'm looking for here is Nathan. The guy kicked tail the last few weeks, Zach Etheridge, uh, and him and Trevon Reed have made, Trevon Reed have made quite a team, but you remember, you do need people behind the scenes too. I mean, great, would it be great to see him in an on-field role? I'm sure, whatever, if that's what he wants to do. And if he has the ability, just because you can recruit doesn't mean you can coach. We don't, I'm not selling him short. We That's just a reality. We don't know. I'd be selling him short by assuming he could coach. We don't know that. Um, but, you know, those people are valuable too, behind the scenes, the people behind the scenes, Darren Usher, director of recruiting, who also is very big into the evaluations. I mean, you know, apparently Harson, Brian Harson, really trusts his evaluations. They go back many years. You got Ryan Trichelle back there. You got Natasha, who works at director on-campus recruiting, Chanel Valentine. I mean, you got a lot of people behind the scenes that do a lot of things. And so uh, Trevon Reed, though, obviously, you know, getting out there on the road was significant. And, uh, yeah, it's just funny how sometimes things work out for all. But, you know, I, I don't like people throwing dirt on Mike Bobo either. He was – people say, oh, he wasn't really getting anybody. No, he was. And he also got you the, maybe the best guy in the class. Holden Gurner. I don't care what the rankings say. He's a special talent at the quarterback position who Mike Bobo recognized before he blew up, quite frankly. Um, he recognized that talent. Then the guy goes out and has this unbelievable season. And so that's Mike Bobo's parting gift. And also he was involved in other guys too, believe me. Um, so, you know, uh, everybody contributes. Um, you know, it's hard for me when people trash a lot of these guys, cause I know them, you know, you get to know them and, you know, I mean, shoot, it kind of sucks. I mean, Sometimes it doesn't work out in an Auburn, but that doesn't mean a guy's not good at what he does. It's just, you know, 
there's very other variables and maybe you're good. You have success at one stop and not another, but Trevon Reed is definitely a name we're going to be tracking moving forward. And, and look, if I don't, again, I don't know what he wants to do. I, if he wants to coach, God bless him, get into it. Um, you know, maybe they can make him an analyst. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know what the answer to that is, but uh, I do know one thing. The guy can recruit his fanny off and he made a big difference this cycle. A lot of guys did a lot of people, a lot of girls did on that staff too. A lot of male and female. So, uh, team effort, it really, you know, it's kind of, it sounds so stupid to say it, Nathan, and you're probably dozing off right now, but it, it is true. There are so many people we don't even get to recognize that do a lot of things behind the scenes. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I felt bad that I hadn't written more on Trevon, because it seems like I'm writing about Zach Etheridge all the time. And other guys are doing stuff too. You know, it just, ha- just so happens Zach was the primary recruiter on many of the big name guys they landed. But uh, overall, uh, to sum it up, I mean, I think it's a good, solid class with so a few holes still and they know that they know that harson said it himself like you said uh get stronger on the d-line moving forward load up on the o-line these you know last weeks toward february and, and anybody in the portal between now and when practice starts and then uh boy but that quarterback position i mean that's certainly the elephant in the room now isn't it i mean yeah people are going to be talking about that probably more than the offensive line but uh uh, we'll see. There's there's a lot of good offensive linemen that are going to be coming into the portal, and they just got to attack it, attack it like they did the last couple of weeks. And something tells me they might make it okay. Yep, seems like they got the skeleton of the class set up now, and and kind of yeah. just kind of bolster it down the stretch. You know, it feels like, Nathan, it feels like they're figuring things out. You right. know what I mean, and maybe not. Hey, look, I, I I mean I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm saying like it feels like it right now. I mean this stuff is day to day. You have your good days, you have your bad days. But it feels like that you know you look where they were 11, 10 months ago, all the obstacles and where they are now, and they've been trending in the right direction for a few months, and now people are seeing all of that come to fruition. You know, behind the scenes, they they were we knew it. We tried to tell people they felt good. They're moving in the right direction with this kid, and and then sure enough, it you know they didn't get everybody, but they sure as heck got a lot of them. And uh, I don't know how you could say, and I think they're going to add another one Sunday. So I, I don't know how anybody could say. You know, they're not on the right path. And by the way, one of the top 2023 recruits in the country, that's next year's class, Braden Joyner, he's going to announce his decision next Monday. And I think Auburn's going to land him. So, I mean, you know, it upward bound, I think. They're climbing. And, uh, you know, these guys are hungry. I, I know they know that people, they read stuff too. They, they These guys aren't in their bubble completely. They know what people were saying about them and about their recruiting abilities. And so, and I know that for a fact, by the way. And so they, uh, they wanted to prove some people wrong too. They, I mean, not, that's, that wasn't the main motivation, but, but that, that was the bonus. That was the icing on the cake. Hey, we can, we can build up Auburn and we can make this, this place better fast while also kind of, <laughs> kind of sticking it to some people who don't think we can cut it. So it's, it's been an eventful week for, for Auburn's coaching staff and behind the scenes personnel as well. Yeah. Brian Harson even said that today that, you know, when we were ta- talking about guys like Trevon Reed and Etheridge and yeah. Cadillac, people who've been at Auburn and kind of have that connection. And he said, yeah, you know, it's, it's good to have anecdotal stuff from those people. But he was like, at the same time, I feel like, you know, it's been a year since our staff has been together. They understand Auburn better now. They understand yeah. how, to, well, how to pitch this place as a community, yeah, as, a, as a campus. Exactly. I know you were trying to cut this short, uh, cut this off a few minutes ago, but let me make one more point. I've seen people on the board kind of just throwing it out there. Hey, wouldn't it be neat if you, theoretically, if you could have all 10 assistants be Auburn grads, I actually think that wouldn't be good. I actually think that wouldn't be good because in my line of work, I deal with so many people that have only been in the Auburn bubble 
since they got to college. They got to college. They loved it. They got a job there. And that's the only place they've ever really been. Now, they've been places, but they haven't been to places. They haven't worked to places. They haven't lived at other places. And I think you do need that outside perspective. You do need that outside perspective. I mean, I, 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 there's a you know, me coming from another place. I've actually talked to some people over there through the years because I would sit in the front of the Albert Athletic Complex and some of the things we would talk about might surprise some people. I say, you know, what, how come you guys do it this way and that way? As I tried to learn about Auburn and, uh, you know, sometimes an outside perspective can give new ideas to things. And, and I, I guess what I'm trying to get at is that, you know, yeah, you, you, having guys that love Auburn a lot is great. There's no question about it, but having people that have been to other places, uh, you can utilize that as well because not everybody is, uh, not everybody fits under the same umbrella. And it's going to be interesting to see with the new OC coming in. You know, this is a guy that's obviously got ties to the South, Austin Davis, but, you know, he maybe a fresh perspective, a different kind of guy, a different way of looking at things. The question is, you know, as a head coach, you have to be able to listen and value differing viewpoints. Now we're getting way off subject here. But anyway, I thought that was interesting. But yeah, Auburn uh, seems like they're in a good place and moving into a better place. So that sums it up. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Obviously, we reported today Austin Davis expected to be the offensive coordinator, a guy a lot like Nick Eason, where it's like all NFL experience. I mean, I, I think it Nick yeah. had a little yeah. college stop, but like very little recruiting experience or anything like that. So it'll be interesting to see how he fits in with this assistant staff yeah. on the yeah. recruiting trail. Um, Keith, yeah. thanks so much for jumping on. Lots of good information. We appreciate all of your work um, today on the early signing period. Go get some rest. Go take a break. You deserve it. Thank you guys so much for listening. This episode of the Auburn Undercover Podcast, please leave us a five-star view if you guys liked it. The intro and outro music is by Beats by Mordecai. You guys can find him on Twitter, SoundCloud, and Instagram. And until the next episode, you guys enjoy the rest of your week. We'll talk to you all later.